Fantasy has become reality. The impossible has happened. Clint Dempsey is now a Seattle Sounder. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? I'm, I'm doing okay, man. I'm, I'm over here uh, still in a little bit of a state of shock at, at the developments over the past three days. Uh, the last time we did a show, uh, we talked about Clint Dempsey, and, and, and I, I swear I could not have imagined it happening, but it has happened. The Seattle Sounders have gotten Clint Dempsey. They bought him outright and broken all sorts of records to make it happen. And he and Clint Dempsey is back in MLS. It's it, When you look at pictures of him, Ivis, that's even weird to even see him in the Seattle green. It's like I can't even – it's like I won't believe it till I actually see him on the field. But, I mean, I'm sure Seattle fans – I mean, the stadium was packed just for his introduction. You can imagine what that first game is going to be like that he plays in. Well, I mean, to be fair, the same is always packed in Seattle. It's not like they showed up for him, but they were extra pumped, and you could understand why when he took off his uh, his hoodie, his zip-up hoodie, and, and showed off the jersey. Uh, the people there went crazy, and, and I, know the, I know the people there still have to be kind of pitching themselves at, at everything that took place over the last few days, and you know what started out as a bit of an internet rumor and uh, and some random sightings has turned into a reality and uh, it's definitely a, a historic moment for the league. It's a, it's a big big signing for MLS uh, and as much as I know there's a there's a contingent of fans who who hate the deal mm-hmm. uh, for Clint Dempsey for the national team and what it means on that front. I, I think some people are being a little overboard on it. You know I think look obviously it'd be great if he was still in Europe. Uh, if he had had the chance to go the Champions League route in Europe and and and, and you know realize his dream in that regard, but this this opportunity, I mean, I don't know how anyone could say uh, it, it's a mistake or, or or it would be that easy to to pass this up. I mean, you, you can't, you know, what what he was able to get here, uh, and it's not just about the money. It's just you know the money, the chance to to join a team and an organization and a fan base that like as special as they have in Seattle. Uh, it, it was just really a perfect storm of things that had to happen, and they did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, – I, I can't say enough good things about it. Well, Ivis, we're going to talk more about that Clint Dempsey and the move to Seattle. Tons of other things to talk about on this show. Clearly, we got to go over everything that happened this past week, MLS Week 23. We're going to talk about the ICC. That's the, uh, the Champions Cup that's going on with the teams from Europe and the LA Galaxy are in that. We're going to talk the Americans abroad, talk a little NASL, talk about the New York Cosmos, that first game for them, and do a little SBIQ and A. But going back to the Clint Dempsey uh, transfer and, and just everything that happened with that, Ivis. Before we break it down for Seattle and what it means for Clint Dempsey and what it means for the team, when you look at it for him, leaving Tottenham, what does that really mean? I mean, was it is this going to be in the long run better if he stayed or better if he left? What, what do you just see on that which made him want to leave, that, uh, leave the Hotspurs? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say that, you know, Tottenham's in a state of flux right now, obviously. They're ready to sell Gareth Bale. Uh, that that's that's everything that's coming out of Europe is that Gareth Bale is going to move to Real Madrid in a record-breaking transfer. So you have Tottenham in a situation where they're going to lose their best player, they're going to get a truckload of money, and and they're going to be able to sign with that money uh, anywhere from three to four quality players, uh, young you know top transfer targets, uh, and, and they're going to really reshape that roster. And and in that regard, it's going to be it's going to become a tough place 
for minutes. And, and and again, it's not a case of you know Dempsey can't fight for minutes. Dempsey can't earn minutes. He's been doing it for for this for you know better part of seven years now in Europe. But you know when you have to look at that, you have to kind of see the writing on the wall and know that you know they you know when you sell your best player like Gareth Bale. I mean that that's that's just you 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 have to wonder how things are going to go now at Tottenham and. Uh, it's. It, I really don't think it was a case of you know he had to get out of there no matter what. I think it was a case of if the right circumstance presented itself, and if and most importantly, if a team came along that could offer the kind of money that would make Tottenham sell, it would happen. And if if the Sounders don't do that, I don't think he moves. And and, and you know I, I talked to his agent uh, you know, a week or two earlier, and he and he made it clear. He's like, listen, they're not they're they're not desperate to move him they had their other guys in that roster that they that Tottenham wants to move they were okay with keeping him but if the right offer came along then they'd have to consider it and this is the perfect offer this is the probably the only offer that realistically made sense for him and, and what I, I think some people don't realize is like I, I, you know for a lot of people I, it, it's understandable right that you want the U.S. captain mm-hmm. The, the the best player, you know, in some people's eyes, the best player on the U.S. team, the best American player right now to be playing in the top league. That's totally understandable. But you, you also have to look at it from his perspective. His dream is Champions League, right? Now, Tottenham's not in the Champions League this year. They're, you know, next year at the, the at best, they're going to be in Champions League. And there's no guarantee. They're, they're about to lose Gareth Bale, who has absolutely carried them last year, and they still fell short. So who knows what their Champions League future is? Uh, as far as other teams as an option for Champions League in England, there are just you know I don't know if any of them are realistic for Dempsey. So if you're Dempsey, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to go you know wander around Europe trying to find a team to to maybe realize that Champions League dream, or do you have to sit and think about the other possibilities, which in this case became MLS? Or, or what uh, and, if he, or what if he stayed and they do qualify for the Champions League next year, and then Dempsey's not part of the plans and they move him again? I mean. Think well, that's, that's, that's another that's possibility too. He's thirty years old, and yes, he could have stayed. He could have earned minutes, and I think he would have. I think if he stayed, I think he would have found his way into getting minutes because it's what he's done. It's what he's done year after wait, year. Wait, wait, more than last at, year? Because last year, Ivis, he only had two thousand, and that was and that is, is low compared to what he had at Fulham, which is three thousand the year before. I mean, do you think he would still get the same number of minutes? Because well, now it's, the, t- it, it's tough to say. It's tough to say because you don't know how the roster is going to be made up. You don't know who they're going to buy. Um, but again, that's my point. My point is that it was going to be tougher to get minutes for him. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying that it, it would have been tougher for him to get minutes, especially they're going to have this this boatload of money. They're going to go mm-hmm. revamp the roster once they sell uh, Gareth Bale. So if you're a 30 year old Clint Dempsey, you have to go through this entire year fighting tooth and nail to get your minutes in a World Cup year, uh, and, and hope you do. You know, hope you win that battle. Hope you get your your necessary minutes. So you can be A, ready for the World Cup, and B, be in position for next year. But then guess what? Next year, let's say they do make the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Let's say next year, let's say Tottenham, things go great for them, even though they sell Gareth Bale. Let's say Clint Dempsey had stuck around. They they get in as a top four spot in Champions League, which is by no means a guarantee in England. Uh, but then guess what? You have a 30 year, 31-year-old Clint Dempsey on a Champions League team that likes to spend money, likes to revamp and reload. There's no guarantee he, they would have mm-hmm. kept him around next year. So that, that, that's where if you're Dempsey, you have to make you have to think about the options, you know, alternatives. All of a sudden, in this corner, you have Seattle making a record-setting bid. You have they, they're they're willing to pay the transfer fee that that will get Tottenham to to, to sell, and they're willing to offer him uh, Clint Dempsey four years at big money, unheard of money. Mm-hmm. And this again, it hasn't been confirmed yet. 
We don't know officially what the what the salary is. We, I mean, the reports are four years, eight million per, which would be a 30, new record, a new MLS record. There's been 30, conflicting reports. Thirty-two for people who are who aren't good at math. Right, but this conflict, you know, there's some conflicting reports because now there's some reports that claim that it's half that, and and you know, which so we'll fi- I mean, we'll find out eventually, right? We'll find out eventually. But point is, Seattle stepped up with the transfer fee and with a big contract, and now if you're Clint Dempsey, you have you you know it. I wrote a piece on, on Saturday about why he's coming back and why he would come back. And, my, and one of my main things, uh, about my one of my main themes in that piece was that he is returning to a completely different situation than mm-hmm. he left. When he left MLS uh, seven years ago, he left a team that didn't spend money, that didn't have much of a following in New England, a team that didn't want to let him go. That that you know he basically left with a sour taste in his mouth. By the way. The New England Revolution handled handled him, and MLS handled him because there were teams that wanted him. They wouldn't accept offers for him, and, and it was it was a real tug of war. And he left really unhappy with MLS, and that's one of the main reasons why I didn't think he'd come back. But again, he's he's joining the Seattle team. It's a completely different situation. They have unbelievable uh, uh, fan following. They have rich owners who want to spend who are willing to spend money on the team obviously based on uh on the all the designated players that they brought in through the years and now this offer that they're making so you know if you're Clint Dempsey and, and you left MLS and and in, in such a bad state and now you you know you, you come back and it's like completely different uh you can understand why he's like wow this is this even the same league I left so you know that you can you can understand why that would would be impress him and then obviously Eddie Johnson's on the team He's heard from Eddie Johnson plenty of times about how great Seattle is. So, you know, if you're Clint Dempsey, the whole time of things a little unsettling. You really don't want to go all over Europe with your young family. He has two young children. Is he really supposed to go to, I don't know, Turkey or, you know, Portugal or, or France you yes. know, chasing the Champions League dream? It's easy for people to say that when it's not their life, when it's not their situation. Um, he's put his years in, and, and and again, you know, some people want to say, oh, he's giving up. He he he's you know he he's gonna he, he's he should stay because he had. And then look, he could could he stay in Europe somewhere? Could he have transferred to some bottom half in England team and and done well and and stayed in the Premier League? Yes, he could have. But why? You know what? Why? Maybe that's just not that attractive to him. Maybe he doesn't want to go. Uh, you know, play like at West Ham. Well, I mean, just, I'm just throwing a team out there, like a you know mid-table team. I don't know. It's, well, I mean, it's a, what's that? I don't know. But or <laughs> some other place in England outside. I see. My point was going to be outside of London. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if West Ham uh, was a was well. A okay, but but that's what I'm saying. That brings me up to my question because you know you're, now you're going to get those people, Ivis, that are doing the oh well, you know his play is going to diminish now that he's in MLS. Oh, you know he's not going to be as good. Blah blah blah. You know he should have stayed in England. I mean, seriously, was that better for him just to say you know at a, at a mid-table team in England, whether it be outside of London or not, or playing in the MLS? I mean, do you think it's? I mean, we didn't see that with Landon Donovan. His play has never diminished. I mean, you know what? There are a lot of players in MLS right now who are playing for the national team and aren't doing too badly. And I think the people who are overreacting on that front and who think he's going to drop off are forgetting a Dempsey was an MLS player when he played in the 06 World Cup, and it didn't hurt him. It didn't hurt him that much uh, that year. And b he, you know, this is Clint Dempsey. He he is never. He's not someone who's ever had an issue with with be, with his work ethic, with his drive, with his motivation to be a good player. 
He's not going to all of a sudden come to MLS and, and, and chill and relax and not try hard, not try to score goals, not try to be better. Is there a difference? Of course there is. There, mm-hmm. has, there, there is absolutely a difference, which is why I'm sure Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, why he's not happy with this, with this move, which is what sources told me. Uh, and, I, you know, I reported that on Saturday, which is that, you know, Klinsmann, from what I understand, Klin, Jurgen Klinsmann was not on board with this move. Mm-hmm. And, and he, you know, expressed that to Dempsey. But at the end of the day, if you, Dempsey still has to make it. It's his career. He has to make his decision. And you know what? And even with that, look, and he's like to get off on too many tangents here. But I know some people were like, "Uh oh, Jurgen and Clint are gonna have problems now." But look, you know what? Jurgen will get over it because at the end of the day, Clint Dempsey is still one of his best players, his captain, and and that's not changing. That's not changing because he decided to make this move. Uh, and again, getting back to the main point, MLS is a strong enough league where mm-hmm. Dempsey can play in MLS and still be a high quality player well it's like what you said with the u.s men's national team i think personally this is great for mls and i think this is a moment that you know it's it's not the icing on the cake but it's just another you know step that mls is taking forward you know with the announcement of more teams that the league's doing good more visibility stuff like that but like you said this is the thing that that people maybe need to chill out when you look at the u.s men's national team you could have a combination of anywhere between beasler goodson uh, Gonzalez, Susie, Donovan, Eddie Johnson, or Clint Dempsey starting. They all play in MLS. You could have maybe, you know, I'm speculating, three, four of those guys starting for the World Cup. So, you know, it's going to be a good opportunity also to show that MLS is becoming a stronger league. All right. I mean, you know what? I, I tell you what. Here's the here's problem. There are a lot of U.S. national fans, uh, sad to say, who don't care about MLS. There are a lot of U.S. national fans who are not MLS fans. There are a lot of, you know, quote-unquote Euro snobs they just, that just care about <laughs> Just care about the national team, or MLS fans who who are or, or maybe a little too swayed by the whole Seattle Sounders thing. Maybe that's what that's another aspect of it. But look, uh, my thing is this: Yes, w- would it have been great if he could have stayed in Europe and played Champions League? Absolutely. But people have to look at it realistically. Where was he going to go to play Champions League? You know, the whole Tottenham situation is not that is not that simple. To, to, to kind of navigate because yes he could have absolutely stayed at Tottenham and he and in my opinion he would have stayed at Tottenham if uh, Seattle would have not stepped forward with this transfer because I tell you what that what, what what I find funny is everyone's talking about how he should have stayed in the Premier League but guess what what other teams were making were offering nine million dollar transfer fees for Clint Dempsey right now and the sad the sad fact is nobody was making no one was offering that. You know, you mentioned West Ham. Yes, West Ham's an interesting one because, yes, they're they're in London. He could have stayed in London, played for his third team in London. But is West Ham paying $9 million for a 30-year-old striker? I don't think so. Are they making, I, I, are they making Champions League? I don't think so either. I, I, exactly. So, you know, so I, 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 it's just I understand why people want him, want him to still play in England or, and, and wanted him to stay in, in Europe. I get that. And that's totally fair. What I don't think is fair is when people make the next leap and say he's giving up, he's running back to America, he's taking the easy way. It's not easy, folks. It absolutely is not easy. Okay, and anyone who thinks it's easy has, you know, clearly has no respect for MLS because MLS is a tougher league now, much tougher than the league Clint Dempsey left. Yeah, and I mean, look at the Concacaf and the amount of players that are coming. And playing for MLS that are playing for their nations that have made it even more difficult for the U.S. Um, the interesting thing about this, though, Ivis, was there was a lot of talk afterwards as to how did Seattle really get Dempsey? Isn't there an order that teams have to follow? MLS kind of 
did some things, they bended some things to make it happen. Can you kind of explain a little bit for people who may be confused on, on how this happened? Well, clearly, when this all went down, I know the folks in Portland were not happy. The fans weren't happy. The ownership, Mary Paulson, I am absolutely sure, was was irate. And the reason for it is because, look, Portland, the Portland Timbers have the number one spot in the allocation order. And the allocation order is supposed to be the mechanism by which U.S. national team players return to MLS. However, the rule, according to MLS, is that a player, if a player go, comes to MLS via the, a designated player's contract, they don't have to go in, in the allocation order. So, and that applies to American players as well. And, and, you know, the MLS put out a statement. They made that point clear. They gave Claudia Reyna as the, ex, as the example of that. Um, and, I, and you know what? The thing is, th- this rule wasn't written anywhere that anyone could find. Now, and, and that's the problem, right? And it, it's simple enough once they come out with, with the rule after the fact, right? And you look at it and you say, oh, you know what? That's okay. That, that kind of makes sense. But the, the issue where MLS falls into a little bit of a trap is that their rules aren't any, written anywhere. And this, and, and, and it, you know, this has gone on for a long time now where, you, you know, there's this perception that MLS makes up the rules as they go along. And more importantly, they change the rules in order to make things happen that are better for the league. And, and, I, and I was going to make this point. Uh, I was going to write about it, but I'll just say it here. Basically what MLS does, uh-huh. MLS has a credit card that they use, and it's called a for the good of the league credit card. And they, and they whip that credit card out whenever there's a situation that the league gets stuck in. And, and you know, I, I in this case, it, it doesn't – I don't know if this is necessarily what happened because they, they've pulled out this rule even though none of us saw it in writing. So we have to kind of take their word for it. But it's happened in the past, right? It happened with, uh, you know, Jose Villarreal, perfect example. When he signed his homegrown deal with the Galaxy, he had not – uh, been a part of their academy the requisite amount of time that you're supposed to be in the academy before you can sign. What did MLS do? They adjusted their rules. They made a they they made a uh, an exception for Villarreal uh, and, and allowed him to to put his time in with the academy after signing his deal. And the reason they did that was because and there at the end of the day their explanation was look we want Villarreal in MLS. We feel he's a special player. And, you know, it, we can't, we can't uh, you know, cost ourselves a talent like that uh, and let him sign in Europe or somewhere mm-hmm. when we can have him in our league. If we have to adjust the rule, we adjust the rule. And, that's, and, and you know what? That's, that wasn't an official statement. This is what I've, I've heard through my sources, uh, that the situation with Villarreal. Another example of that is Toronto FC. When they wanted to sign Olaf Melberg, they, 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 had, they had an offer in place. They wanted the Swedish uh, national team defender – a uh, respected player in Europe, Toronto FC wanted to sign him. M- MLS uh, basically put the put the kibosh on it. They did not want that deal to go through because Toronto FC was paying Melberg or offering Melberg seven figures. It was more than a million dollars, and it was and in MLS. MLS just is, just does not pay center backs that kind of money. So it was more of a case of not wanting to set a precedent. Now MLS didn't block the rule, didn't block the, the that deal from happening uh, directly, but basically it was one of those kind of uh, wink, wink. Uh, you're not going to do that deal, right? Kind of situations. And again, that's an example MLS whipping out the for the better of the league credit card, which is what they do. They say, you know what? 
you don't want to do that because that's <laughs> not good for the league. And and it's it, we're talking folks, we're talking single entity. Sometimes people forget uh, it's a single entity league, and and it, it's central it's centralized. MLS still signs all the contracts, handles all that. So that that's still how things run. Is it is it fair all the time? No. Is it you know? transparent that obviously not it's it's not so that that's what people have issue with and i think the sorry to get on such a long rant here because i know people kill me on my rants but the, and i'm trying to clarify this you know breaking it down man i'm trying to break it down so here's the thing the problem is mm-hmm. when the league was a 10 team league and it had like three owners it was a little easier to to you know keep things in line get everyone on board and everyone to buy into the league kind of doing its own thing and, and rewriting rules and bending its own rules. You know, that was a little easier to get away with. Now you have a 19 team league with, I don't know, 16 with 16, I don't know, 16, 15, 16, 17 different owners. It's a lot tougher to get everyone on board on message and, and not have dissent in the ranks or in the fan bases or even in the media because we're all, we, all, we all look at these things now. There's more eyeballs on it. And, and, and we're going to look at it and say, wait a minute, what's going on here? Well, you know, how, how, how does this happen? Where's, where's this written? Where's this rule written? And, and you know what? The league, it, it, I think it's, we're at a point now. MLS needs to stop with the secrecy stop, and, and start putting their rules together, putting them in a rule book that everybody can see, everybody can read, just like every other sports league in America. So we know what the rules are. So we know, hey. Yeah, yeah, but 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 you will agree though that MLS stepping in and doing certain things like this has ensured the survival of the league to where it's at now. And yes, there will be a time when MLS can take the training wheels off. There will be that time. No, and listen, I, you know what? I and here's the thing, right? I get why they've done some of the things they've done. Uh, it, it's totally understandable. Uh, I mean, we're going. I mean, it's happened so many different occasions. Whether it was, I mean, I remember when Freddie Adu came into MLS and uh, for the first time. And, uh, you know, FC Dallas had the number one pick in the draft. And they, you know, they're like, wait, we will, we'd like Freddie Adu. Why can't we have him? <laughs> and obviously, Freddie Adu was, going, was always going to go to D.C. United. And MLS pretty much had to go to FC Dallas and go, listen, he's going to D.C. So you can either play along or we can just make you take what, you, what we're going to give you. And you know what? And, and that, that wasn't a great situation. <laughs> uh, the same thing happened with Luis Gill, where, you know, uh, Sporting Kansas City, had his rights and pretty much uh, MLS stepped in and, and worked out a deal to send Gil to Real Salt Lake. So we've had MLS obviously step in and make things happen, right? And and, and for the most part, it, you, you understand why these moves happen, and and in a lot of in most instances, they, it's it's usually for the good of the league, right? But the rules. I mean, can anyone can anyone just write these things down so we have some idea what the rules are? And if and if you want to bend a rule. Then hey, at least you can offer an explanation. Uh, but at least we know what the you know. At least we have some idea what the rules are. And that's the crazy part. I mean, you got people who've who've, who've played in the league, who've coached the league, who've general managed in the league, who've written about the league for years, and none of us know what the damn rules are because they change all the time. So I, I think we're all. I mean, I think this is just this whole thing is, is just added to that whole idea that you know what we just need, let's start writing these things down so you know what i think the league would be a lot better off and, and here's the problem here's the main thing and this is what i heard talking to the officials off the record is that the explanation given is well we don't want to let everyone know what we do 
because that you know that then that gives an advantage to all these foreign leagues that we're competing with, and that's the reason we need to have secrecy in a lot of these instances. And you know what? I don't know if I'd buy that anymore. Well, Ivis, going back to the game, the Seattle Sounders defeated FC Dallas three to zero. Coomp Dempsey was introduced before the game. I mean, it got everyone fired up. It was really cool just to see that. But when you look at the game and you look at the Seattle Sounders, the team that they had out there, that Jiggy Smith was able to put out there with Eddie Johnson, OFA Martins, Rosales, Evans, Alonzo, and then you have the defense. I mean, the defense has been there for the most part, but to have the attacking players, the midfielders and the forwards, it's, as a Seattle Sounders fan, one, you have to be happy that you won. Two, you have to be happy that you have now almost a full, you know, a full roster, and now you're adding Clint Dempsey. I mean, Seattle can make some serious noise and, and make a serious push now in the Western Conference. Listen, they were already a good team, right? Uh, even though their record didn't show it, they, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, call-ups. Uh, and I was saying it even before they got Dempsey that I thought they were going to turn it around once they got everybody back. And and I still think that, I, you know, even if Dempsey hadn't signed, I still think that was the case. I still think they had a championship-caliber team. But now when you add Dempsey to that, that's just that's just scary. It really is. It's. I mean, I just don't. I just don't know who matches up against that. Uh, against the atta- the kind of attack they can put on the field now, um, and just you know, you saw you kind of got a glimpse of of what they can do uh, this weekend uh, with, with that that strong win against FC Dallas. They really just abused them. Uh, An FC Dallas team that really is reeling right now. Um, but yes, like I said, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how Siggy Schmidt puts all those pieces together now that he has he's he already had a D team and now he has a player like Dempsey. Mm-hmm. When you also to be happy that when you like you said, Obi Fan Martin scores, Eddie Johnson scores, Brett Evans gets a goal late in the game. But for SC Dallas, Ivis, they're they're really reeling, and it's they're. I mean, I don't know if it's time to hit the panic button or whatnot, but what can FC Dallas do, Ivis, to turn to turn this around and get back in the, the playoff race? Because right now, just the way they're going with San Jose playing well, you wonder if FC Dallas is almost playing themselves out of the playoffs. Well, that's what's happening. I mean, it's pretty clear. They, they you know, they the results aren't going their way. Uh, they, they've tried to add some players to to help you know boost their boost their uh, attack and and boost their their lineup, but it's just you know. Uh, we talked about it at the last show. They, you know, they, everything went their way the first two months of the season, uh, whether whether it was their opponents missing players or them just being real opportunistic. And yes, they played well, so it wasn't just luck that that had them sporting the best record in the league uh, to start the season. But you know, right? You're going to have injuries. You're going to have adversity that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, but in this case, when you look at the lineup they had um, against Seattle, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you can. Complain about if you're Dallas. You had George John and Matt Hedges. Uh, you had your starting back four. David Ferreira was there. Blas Perez was up top. This is their team. This is the, pretty much their squad that they're going to have. And it didn't really get it done this week. And uh, and you just wonder what, what's going to happen. Are they going to be able to turn it around? Uh, and and right you know right now it's not looking good. Right now I I, I don't know if you can. Put FC Dallas in the playoff race. Put count them as a playoff team. Before I get killed, I, I should say though that FC Dallas is in sixth place and has thirty two points, only one point behind Vancouver. So sorry, FC Dallas fans, I didn't mean to uh, insult you that much. Um, <laughs> well, well, hey, listen, look at who's behind them. Seattle is behind. That's, them. Well, that's what I said. But you know, they're going to be like, no, 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 Seattle's uh, behind them by one point, and they have two games in hand, and they have Clint Dempsey. So I think if you ask anybody outside of Dallas, do you think Seattle will pass them? You, the answer is going to be yes. Well, San Jose uh, too. Look at San Jose, three game winning streak. Yeah, you know they. Hey, 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 they're right there. Hey, they're right there. Hey, they added Clarence Goodson, man. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know if their defense was, was horrendous to begin with. But no, I mean, that'll help. That'll help. They're getting healthier. Uh, they're getting getting they're, they're getting their guys back together. They'll make a run. They, they'll make a run. But it's the West is tough, man. The West is tough. And for me, I just don't know which five teams are going to come out of the West. It's not. It's not going to be an easy thing. There's going to be a good, at least one or two good teams that don't make it out. One more point I'll make on Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't start turning this around. I mean, they're healthy now, right? They're relatively healthy. They have everyone back. They still don't start getting results. At a certain point, you have to start asking questions about Charles Hyman and what he can do to turn that around. Um, you know, they obviously got off to a good run to start the season, but you know, at a certain point, you have to get you know be held accountable for your results. And, and if they don't make the playoffs this year, um, they're going to have to be some fingers pointed at them. Last win for Dallas was on May 25th. Uh, over in the East, the New York Red Bulls defeated Sporting Kansas City. And this is an interesting game because, one, I should never read comments ever again. And I read them because I think everyone's comments are hilarious. But everyone in this game saying that New York dominated Sporting Kansas City. I, I, we might have watched different games. Because Sporting Kansas City's defense did not play that well. New York's defense did not play that well. Sporting Kansas City just made a few more mistakes that New York capitalized on. And I think everyone knows what they were when Eric, I'm sorry, when Jonathan Steele burned Chance Myers. I mean, Arian Collin got caught on another time when he thought there was an offside. I mean, Sporting Kansas City's defense made a couple mistakes. And, and I don't want to take anything away from New York, Ivis. Because when you look at it, think about this. New York in back-to-back weeks defeated the number one seed in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. And New York... I mean, look, they did play a very, very good game. And, you know, the big win for them. They're now first in the East. Look, you can't, I don't know who can say that they dominated this game. They didn't. No, no. They didn't dominate this game. People were, man. I was no like, people were. I was like, what the? I was like, what game did these people watch? I mean, just look at all the stats. Uh, you know, the, Kansas City had 27 attempts on goal to New York's five. They held a 65 to 35 edge in possession. They had an 81% passing accuracy rate. To New York, 62% passing accuracy rate. They had 480 total passes to the Red Bulls, 259. But guess what? None of those stats matter. The only stat that matters is the score. Mm-hmm. 3-2 Red Bulls. They were efficient on the counter. They took advantage of Kansas City's mistakes. They came away with a, with a road win. That's all that matters. No one's going to care about any of those other stats I just read off, even a week from now, because all that matters is what is the standings. And, and it's funny because, you know, after the All-Star game, Talking to Terry Henry about you know him come you know him sticking around Kansas City and, and getting ready for that game tough game on on the road against Sporting and and he made he kind of made a joke that you know you know we we haven't won a game all year on the on the road so <laughs> <Even> <laughs> that was my that was my poor Terry Henry impression I think mine's better uh, than that dude I I didn't really try I gotta admit but but he you know he I, I almost got the sense he didn't think they could win right but hey they won the match they didn't have Tim Cahill. Sporting Casey didn't have uh, Zussi. But, you know, Case, the thing with Casey is, right, uh, their defense normally is pretty good. It's normally pretty stingy. Um, Jimmy Nelson did have his best game. You, you have to wonder about, you know, Aurelian Collin uh, and his legs. You know, was he tired uh, coming off the All-Star game? You know they missed Zussi. So uh, for them, I don't know if this is necessarily a, a loss that's going to crush them too much, but I do think it's a win that, that provides a lot. And a lot and a, and, a, and a big confidence boost for the Red Bulls. Also, I want to say Luis Robles has a cannon. He threw the ball from inside the 18 past the halfway mark. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I also want to say that sometimes people don't realize distribution from a goalkeeper, you can't keep stats of that, 
But if you have a good goalkeeper, like what Robles showed in this game, Robles, excuse me, another guy like Nick Romando, who's great at distribution, it can really make a difference for a team. And we saw that in this game. And for New York, like you said, Ivis, they took advantage of some counters. Over in the West, the Rocky Mountain Cup, Colorado has won the Rocky Mountain Cup for the first time since 2006. They came back, scored a late equalizer. And, I mean, Ivis, you even said it before this game that, you know, Colorado's, you know, starting to be a team that we're going to have to consider winning every single week now. Right. I mean, they're, they're playing well. They're a good team. I don't think we can call them a fluke anymore or expect, you know, the clock to strike 12 on the Cinderella story. I mean, I think at this point they're a legitimate team. Um, their young players have come of age. Um, you, you can't take that. You know, you almost can't call them rookies at this point. You know, they're ha- you know some of these guys, Dylan Powers or Sean Brown, they're, they are now halfway through their first season. And, you know, I think they've all, they both played enough games now. And also Shane O'Neill, who, you know, technically not a rookie, but still a young player getting his first significant playing time as a, as a pro, all those guys have matured and all those guys are now, you know, beyond that whole rookie phase where maybe the, the whole, you know, a little overwhelming, they all have enough games under their belt where, you know, they can handle it. So powers, Brown, O'Neill, that trio, and you add also Chris Klute, who not a rookie, but you know the the NASL player, mm-hmm. Atlanta Silverback, came over on loan. He's looked good this his, season. Has been one of the revelations of the season. Yeah, he's a, I mean you can argue he's been the best left back in the league. He was our he was SBI's uh, left. Uh, he was on the SBI midseason best eleven, and he's still doing it. He's even after that he he's he's continuing to play well, and this is a this is a good team top to bottom. And do, am I sold yet as far as title and all this and that? I don't know. I, I'm not going to go that far. But I will say I, I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily expecting them to plummet anytime soon or the clock to strike 12. I think they've gained a lot of confidence, and they're going to be tough for everybody to deal with for the rest of the way. Uh, RSL also on a three-game uh, winless streak. They haven't won in three games. Interesting. But they're still in the number one seed in the West, though, Ivis. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. I mean, I think now that they've got their guys back from, from the Gold Cup and, and they start getting that momentum back, they'll, they'll be right there. And uh, and obviously they have that big Open Cup uh, midweek clash against Portland on Wednesday that's going to be, uh, you know, the center of attention for them. Ivis, back over in the East, the Chicago Fire defeated the Philadelphia Union 2-1. to Mike McGee with another late goal. But I think another thing for the Chicago Fire that, I mean, if you're a Fire fan, you've been watching them, and for other people watching them, is you have to be really impressed with the play of Patrick Nyako over the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's looked really good for them. So has Joel and Pear. I mean, Chicago Ivis, they're slowly climbing that ladder in the East. And I mean, they're, they're, they're almost there. They're knocking on the door almost. They are five points out as we speak, five points out of a playoff spot, uh, five points behind the Houston Dynamo for the fifth, fifth spot. Uh, and then, you know, 13 games to play. Uh, and they're, uh, they're six points behind Philly, uh, Philadelphia. So, it's not unrealistic. They've made up a ton of ground, and uh, you know they're really starting to come together. And, and, and obviously, the, with the with the recent addition of the Ecuadorian forward, that they're hoping will uh, will will provide a boost for them. Uh, you have to take them seriously, and I think for them to go into Philly, uh, which hasn't necessarily been a, a real easy place to get wins uh, for opposing teams, you know, for them to go in there and get three points is big. And uh, it's a tough blow for Philly because you know they had a real good chance. To, to uh, Philly had a really good chance to close the gap on some team uh, to to widen the gap and 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 strengthen their hold on a playoff spot so that you know that that one's a little tough for them to 
to to deal with. But Chicago, man, I mean, like you said, you know, Niako settled in on the right wing. Uh, McGee is McGee. He just keeps on doing it, keeps on scoring goals. I'm curious to see how their new forward's going to uh, fit in, how they're going to, you know, adjust the lineup to to, to account for him. Uh, you know, you have Lynn Pair who's been playing well. Niako's been playing well. Uh, do you move Rolf? Uh, do you move Rolf back um, into midfield? Do you sit Alex? What happens to Dilly Duca? So there's a lot of questions there. But it, you know what? It's a good problem because it means they have depth now. They, they've made a lot of good additions, and they ha- and they have to hope that that their new forward is uh, is actually going to be a problem solver and not just another you know foreign forward flop because they've had a few they've had a few through the years for the philadelphia union though ivis jack McInerney hasn't scored in a couple games here and he missed an opportunity late is there you know maybe has he hit a wall or, or maybe is expected too much out of him what, what do you think is going on with that right now you know what i just think forwards go through their runs i mean no you can't like no one can expect the forward to score a goal a game for an entire season, right? You go through your the, the, those periods. I mean, unless you're, I mean, obviously Wondolowski, you almost felt like he did it last year. That was, a, but that was a ridiculous season that he had. So I, I think people should take it easy on on looking just at the goal production and saying, oh, this player is not playing well. That player is not playing well. Um, you can't assume that. You can't assume that that a, a guy who gets on a nice run has a nice start to the season is just going to go ahead and continue that all year. That's just not realistic. Uh, what I've seen from McInerney is someone who still uh, puts himself in good spots, makes good runs, creates space for his teammates. Uh, so he's still helping, even though he hasn't gotten the goals lately. Uh, but I think he'll be all right. Uh, I just think this is kind of a normal thing when you talk about a young a young player like that. And, and, and it isn't just a young player thing. I think all... Unless you're, I th- unless you're Mike McGee, who seems to score no matter what every single game, he's like clockwork, right? Um, I, I think I, I don't think too much should be made just yet of McInerney. I think I think he'll be all right. Well, Ivis, uh, over in the Cascadia Cup, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps came behind, scored a late, not a late goal in the second half, scored a goal in the second half to tie the Portland Timbers one to one. I mean, one a disappointing loss for Portland because one, you're home, one, you score the opening goal, and then. For Vancouver, I mean, they had a depleted roster. So for Portland, I mean, you really got to be kicking yourself in the rear end on this one. You know, when you look at, and not to take anything from Vancouver, but I mean, Portland, though, they got to be very upset with, with the only drawing in this game. Right. I mean, at a certain point, uh, you know, if, you, if you're Caleb Porter, right, first half of the season, you're, you're trying to get a feel for your squad. You're trying to figure out who you can count on, who you can put in the lineup, what's going to be your first choice team, get some cohesion there. And I think they did a good job of that. And I think now the second half of the season has to be, a time of year where you start making, you turning ties into wins, and you start t- racking up those points at home. So I mean, I, I think if you're Portland, you have to come away disappointed. Vancouver, you know, is on, has been on a bit of a slump lately. Uh, so you know, I'm sure Caleb Porter felt that this is a game we can win, we should win, uh, and then and for them to only manage the one goal uh, has to be disappointing. I mean, obviously they, typical Portland, they held the edge in possession, they held the edge in, in attempts on goal. Uh, but it, it just wasn't uh, wasn't a crisp attacking performance from them, and you have to wonder: Do they still need to make some uh, some adjustments to their roster? Do they need to tinker a little bit more? Maybe add another forward? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think if they go out and get themselves one more forward to, to kind of shake things up, uh, I think Ryan Johnson, Freddie Pequon, Pequon, uh, you know, they 
it's uh, it's been a little hit or miss lately. So uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if if uh, if Portland makes some moves to shake some things up. Well, Ivis, uh, DC United defeated Montreal Impact three to one. I don't think many people had that, but they think they might have had a Luis Silva goal. It's uh, it's been nice to see what he's been able to do for DC United over the last couple of games. He's been uh, since he's been acquired by them. Hey, I called it when they traded him. When Toronto traded him to DC, I thought it was a terrible trade by by, by Toronto, and I thought DC was getting themselves a steal. And he has been absolutely excellent for them. He, you know, credit to Ben Olsen. He he's just handed him the keys and said, "Listen, you're going to be my playmaker. I want you to handle things." And and Silva, you know, it, it's almost like, in a way, you almost feel like he 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 feels like he got out of jail in Toronto because it just was not a great situation for him. Uh, you know, the the coaching changes, it just wasn't great for him. He was put he was not put in good positions to maximize his ability, and and it was clear it it didn't seem who it didn't seem to matter who the manager was. Or the leadership was, it just seemed like he was undervalued, underappreciated there. And the way TFC just kind of offloaded him, uh, and, and and you know followed up just saying, oh well, you know we have other other players coming in. Uh, it, it just it, it, it did a disservice to the, to a very very talented young player, and he's looking great. And uh, listen, DC, this this is clearly a lost cause as a season as far as playoffs go, but it is not a lost cause in terms of getting this young nucleus that they've put together experience and experience together as a group. And when you see all, all those young guys, uh, you know, play well together, Connor Doyle uh, scoring his first professional goal. Uh, it, it gives you as a D for DC fans, it gives you something to feel good about something to kind of be a little optimistic about. Uh, obviously my, it's a little, it's too little too late, but at least there's something to look forward to as a DC fan. Uh, Houston defeated Columbus Crew three to one. Cam Weaver with another goal. Uh, Brad Davis also scored. Will Bruin scored. Oscar Bonilla Garcia, I thought, had a very good game. The Crew, we've seen this a couple times from them this season. Their defense not making the best of decisions with the ball, and I mean Houston played a little high pressure and took advantage of that and won the game. Oh, Columbus is. You know, when they lost, as soon as they lost, when they lost Eddie Gavin and Glauber, two key starters for them to ACL injuries, you knew then they were going to be in some trouble. And uh, as much as, yes, they have the new owner come in that's bought the team, you know, I think it's going to be some time before we really feel the impact of that on that crew team. I, I think this year is quickly getting away from them. I mean, look at the standings right now. They're only three points ahead of Toronto. Uh, and 10 points out of the playoff race. I think they're toast at this point. Houston, I, I, I've been saying it even when they were in their slump, that once they get their pieces back, once Bonilla Garcia is healthy, their attack will be back on par, and, and they'll be right there near the top. And I think, you know, when it's all said and done, they're going to be a top three team. Uh, they're going to be right there. They're going to be a title contender, and uh, I, I think we're starting to see them wake up. San Jose Earthquakes defeated Chivas USA 2-0. to zero. San Jose with Chris Wondolowski back, he had Clarence Goodson. Uh, I mean, for San Jose Ivis, they 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 look like a team that could seriously really make the playoffs. I, I don't know, man. I, I might I might be jumping on this, and I really think San Jose can find a way to get into the playoffs. They're a good team, right? They have the pieces there now that Goodson's in place, uh, and you have good that Goodson Bernardes tandem. Yeah, pretty pretty strong. Um, I, I'm not sold though. I'm not sold on them making up the ground. Um, they do have quite a bit of a bit of bit, bit of ground to make. Look at the standings right now. They're not that far out, you know. They're three points out 
they have one more game than than, than you know, some of the other teams that are ahead of them. They have three more games than Seattle, who is ahead of them. So I think it's a tough one. I think for me, I, I just don't see – I think the five of RSL, Colorado, Portland, L.A., and Seattle, I think that's going to ultimately be the five, and it's going to take something special from San Jose to, to close that gap. And uh, in the last game, Toronto won the Sunday game, the only game on Sunday. Toronto defeated the New England Revolution one to zero, and for New England, I mean, they 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 not that I, they need to get the ball going, but you know, if they really want to find a way to get in the playoffs, especially with the way the Chicago Fire playing, New England's need to they need to get some victories here pretty soon. Yeah, you know, they're, they're a tough one to figure out now. I mean, they they, they had a good thing going. Uh, I mean, they had two wins before this game, so I mean, it's it's not like you should just necessarily you know press the padding. That's button true, but maybe it's because you lose to Toronto, they're just like, oh, that's geez. that's the thing. I mean, Toronto, uh, three game unbeaten streak now, two wins in a row, the first time all year that they win two games in a row. I mean, that's starting to say something. And here's the thing: when you think about Toronto, right? How many games have they had now where they gave up the goal at the end of the game to lose or to tie? And I mean, it's got to be a half dozen at least. And now when, when you kind of throw those in and you say, man, if they didn't have those results go against them, they, they could be in the conversation for the playoffs. So from that standpoint, you almost have to kind of look, start looking at things a little differently, look at them and say, hey, maybe maybe there is some reason for optimism for the future. Uh, this year, I think it's a lost cause for them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But at least I, I think folks in Toronto, realist, the realistic folks in Toronto, had had to be looking at this year as as a, a, a rebuilding year, in a year where they wanted to see some building of a team, and uh, maybe these results are starting to give them a reason to, to to feel good about the future. Well, keeping it MLS related, the Los Angeles Galaxy at Dodger Stadium defeated Juventus three to one. You had goals from Gonzalez, Keane, and Donovan. They'll be playing in a third place game against uh, AC Milan. That game will be on uh, Wednesday. I mean, take it for what it is. The Goss, I mean, it's preseason for the Italian side, but still, Ivis, uh, good to see the Galaxy defeat them three to one. Right. I mean, it, it, you can't read too much into it, but I, I think the big step, the big positive for the Galaxy is just. You know, getting the big their big three together, they're Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, and Omar Gonzalez, all three on the scoreboard. And obviously, Robbie Keane came off the bench and was the key a key to that, them kind of pulling away in the second half. Um, but again, getting Keane healthy, uh, getting him back in action, uh, getting Donovan back from the Gold Cup, uh, it's a it's time for them to start making their run. Their uh, their trademark second half run, and I think that's what they're going to do. And you know, you kind of wonder about this tournament, right? I mean, obviously, uh, the international champions cup is a good chance for them to play some foreign opponents. They they lost to uh, Everton in penalties. Uh, they they get to play them. They get to play. Uh, I'm sorry, not uh, I'm reading the wrong thing here. They lost to Real Madrid. Still, you get to play Real Madrid. You get to play Juventus, and now you get to play AC Milan. I mean, that's a pretty good week, right? But at the same time, you wonder as far as uh, just the wear and tear. I mean, I, I can't imagine Bruce Arena is thrilled about having to play this run of games. Um, you know, at this point in the year. Um, but you know what? They're gonna they're gonna deal with it. Uh, well, in the, in the Real Madrid game, they didn't play the big what? three the, in in in, in, oh, right, in, in right. Galaxy's no, game against but, Real Madrid. I mean, right. that was it's mostly still, just bench you know guys again, and stuff. Look, there's still other guys. I mean, it's still guys getting minutes and. Uh, you know, they have this game Wednesday against Milan that I'm sure they're going to, you know, some of these guys are going to play. Robbie Keane, from what I understand, is going to play in that game. Um, so, at the, I mean, 
I, I think a team like the Galaxy, I don't think it's all. It's so much about, oh, hey, let's test ourselves so we can see how we can do against these big boys. I, I don't think for a team like LA, that's something that they're caring about so much as just trying to stay healthy, avoid injuries. And for Robbie Keane, it's actually beneficial just to, getting, just to get him back in a rhythm. Mm. Um, so uh, it's going to be an interesting game on Wednesday. AC, you know, AC Milan, you know, still... Still a storied club, uh, you know, with some quality uh, on that roster. So that that I think that should be a fun one to watch. Um, Ivis on the oh, I'm sorry. I should also say that the final will be Real Madrid versus Chelsea. That's a championship game. That game is also um, on Wednesday. Actually, both games from the Sun Life Stadium in Miami, Florida. Not I need Miami. to make a trip down there. Yeah, I don't not, know. I'm gonna have to start checking flight prices. What, for Wednesday? So. Are you serious? Yeah, right. I don't believe you. Idiot. And, yeah, I don't know. And you know what? I actually have a credential for that game. I just, uh, I just need to get down there. I have a question. Why don't we take the SBI show on the road? That's that's my biggest concern. That's well, what we should. You can't do. travel. You're always you're all talk, buddy. You're all talk. Every time you, if I had a nickel for every time you're like, oh, I think I'm gonna go to this game, <laughs> and then you didn't show up. I, I, well, because I, I didn't get the check from the sponsor to pay for my plane ticket. Ah, well, we're still waiting for that. We're still waiting for. Come that. on, Ivis. All right, Ivis. Back back to business on the American abroad front. Um, I can already hear it now. Call him up. Call him up. Aaron Johansson scores a goal, has an assist in a loss for AZ. Um, I mean, is he a player that could get that look uh, for that international game coming up here in about two weeks? Oh, he's getting called up. I mean, I think that's that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Uh, I, U.S. Soccer pretty much let it be known that you know they plan on calling him up, and if and if uh, they, they've already put in the application for his one-time switch. Um, and even if that doesn't go through in time for this game against Bosnia, he's still going to join the team uh, and be with the team in camp, uh, similar to what Jermaine Jones did uh, several years ago uh, when the U.S. team played the Netherlands. And uh, they brought him in just to kind of get a feel of thing, get a feel for things, get to meet some of the guys, get a sense of what it's like in camp. Um, so he's coming. He's, he's, he will be in Bosnia. Uh, but yes, great start for him. You know, obviously he's got some big shoes to fill with Josie Altador at Sunderland now, uh, and it, it, it's just funny that now that now that Johansson is is going to play for the U.S., uh, you have another reason to keep watching Azed. And uh, you know, if you're if you're one of those American fans who've who adopted Azed because of Josie Altador, you can keep on following them. Um, also, uh, down in uh, Liga MX. The sensation Paul Ariola had another assist for Tijuana. It was another loss for them, though. But that's back-to-back games uh, for him with an assist. He had one in the uh, in the uh, the season opener for Tijuana. So, I mean, for the 18-year-old former LA Galaxy Academy player, I mean, what a great start for him right now in Tijuana. Oh, he's on fire! Two games, two assists, uh, coming off the bench, providing instant offense. Um, you know, he. I mean, think about that. I mean, he's a young player, 18 years old. And already making him making an impact in in Liga Liga MX, he is going to be one to watch. And obviously, I think at this point, a lot of Americans fans is, have, have figured out that Club Tijuana is a team you want to watch. Um, Joe Corona, Edgar Castillo, Greg Garza. Uh, when he gets healthy, Hercules Gomez. I mean, look at that. I mean, how many? I think they have more American players than some MLS teams, uh, or at least starters. You know, as far as guys get played more than cheapest USA. <laughs> hey, hey, easy! Don't cross the line. Uh, look, I, I know, but Ariola—he's he, a special talent, and uh, you know, again, it's a little unfortunate that uh, the Galaxy didn't get it done and get him signed. But uh, you know, still, it's still great to see an, a young American player uh, doing so well. Uh, there's also a little rumor going around right now that Terrence Boyd might be going to uh, Watford. Want to break that down, Ivis? What do you think about that? Do you think it's a good move for him this uh, to move after one one year at Rapid Vienna, or should he stay a little bit longer? Well, I tell you what. The you know, I, I've talked to I talked to Terrence a lot, and, and and the sense I get is, you know what? 
he he while he's he's I, I think I don't think he's against staying another year. Uh I think he's someone who's obviously ambitious and would like to go to bigger leagues if he can. Uh and if he can go to to, to the league championship in England, I, I think that's a good that would be a good step for him. I mean I think you know, it's a physical league, but I think he's a physical player. He can handle it. I think he could handle uh, that jump in, in quality. And, I, and look, I, I, I nothing against the Austrian league, but I think the league championship in England is, is a better caliber league than Austria. So I think for him, it would be a good move. But at this point, nothing is concrete. It, it's, it's kind of the faintest of rumors, but, you know, we'll talk about it because I, obviously – I know people have heard about it, and it's it's already started to make the rounds. Uh, I don't know how legit it is, but I think at this point I'd say that if it can happen, I think it'd be good for him. Oh, Watford was also a team last year that almost got uh, almost got promote almost received promotion to the Premier League. I mean, they were in the right. championships. I mean, they're they're a very good team. Right, they're 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 a team that can make another run. And if I mean, Taren, let's, let's look at it this way. I mean, if, if Boyd were to join Watford and help them get gain promotion, I mean, all of a sudden you're talking about Terrence Boyd in the Premier League a year from now. So. Uh, I mean that's an exciting, uh, exciting opportunity. So I think, I think if that opportunity is presented to Boyd, I, I think he'd take it. Yeah, and I mean Watford lost to Crystal Palace in the final in extra time. I mean they were right there; they had that opportunity. So, not that you don't know how. I mean I don't follow Watford enough to know, but I'm assume that Watford's been a good team over time, and they'll probably be competing for another chance. Also, did you notice the way I said Watford after watching that Jason Sudeikis, the American coach in England? I want to say every English team like. The way he said in that video from now on. <laughs> you want to do the Ted Lasso? Oh my God. Southern accent. Dude, how, fun- what, Ter- how, how funny was that video? <laughs> Terrence Boyd. Terrence Boyd could throw the ball. He could throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my mom, who doesn't really watch soccer, watched that video. Like, I, I think I, I, that video was great. I think a lot of people, it was like the MLS All Star rap. I mean, it's just good for soccer in America. I think it, a lot of people who really don't watch soccer watch that video. I mean, I think it's great. No, it was absolutely hilarious, and I, I thought it was funny that some people kind of, and it was a very small number of people, but some people kind of took offense to it and, say, and said that it kind of perpetrated, it, it, it perpetuated the stereotype of the uh, the American uh, that didn't un, American that doesn't know soccer. And look, but, but it was a football it, coach though; it wasn't a fan. A That's why it was right. funny. And, and look, just face it: there are a lot of Americans who don't know about soccer, but. It's you know a soccer American soccer fans know soccer, but this was obviously just kind of a take on on a f- American football coach. It was hilarious. Sudeikis, he killed it, and uh, you be, know credit to NBC because they've been, they've been doing a good job with these promos. It'd be the same thing if they brought over like an English comedian to pretend to be an American football coach. Right. I mean, we. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Also, I thought the best part was the Gareth Bell part. He's like, where he, where's he's from? He's like, he's from England. He's like, no, he's from Wales. He's like, is that a country? I th- that was the funniest part. <laughs> That's what, how many countries are in this country? <laughs> that, that was one of the better lines. <laughs> yeah, that, that that it was it was very well done. I I watched it a couple of times. It was, it was, I'm gonna uh, have to. I'm you know what? You're, I'm gonna watch it again now. I have to watch it. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Um, I was also uh, some other news. Uh, you have to report. This is a an exclusive. I'll let you say it. It's uh, something about a. Uh, a player returning back oh, to the MLS. Settle down. I already tweeted it days ago. It's not. It's not. It's not breaking news. Let's not get people. Well, well it's breaking news on the show. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do the, uh, you know, Peter Jennings like the bump. You know, I'm trying to look out for you here. <laughs> well, all right. Well, what Garrett's <laughs> getting at is, uh, you know, I tweeted a few days ago about Charlie Davies and 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 the the possibility that he could be coming back to MLS. Um, that that is a possibility. From what I understand, the New England Revolution, it's a very good possibility that he will come back to MLS. Now, from what I understand, DC United somehow, again, with these MLS rules that nobody understands, somehow, even though DC United didn't uh, did not pick up his option to buy him, 
and had him on loan the last time. Somehow they have his rights, from what I understand. I don't have that officially, officially confirmed. But that's from that's what I understand. So I'm assuming there's some kind of trade that's going to send Charlie Davies' rights to New England. That's the word right now. It's not official. Uh, it's not something I think is going to necessarily happen tomorrow, but that's something in the works from what I understand. Let's bring it back to the American game and drop down a division. New York Cosmos, first game in over three decades, back on the field. It was jam-packed. Um, I mean, I remember you were saying before the show that they had to turn some people away. The fans looked awesome, and they won. They defeated the Fort Lauderdale Strikers 2-1 to one in just uh, a great night if you're a Cosmos fan. And, and I mean, I was, there were a lot of fans there, man. They're, uh, it's it's going to be fun watching the Cosmos the night, over the next couple months. Right. I mean, it, it was really a dream start for them. And here's the thing, right? I mean, it's their first game as a club in 29 years, almost three decades. And, uh, you know, when you look at when you look at the turnout that they had, it was impressive. And look, the soccer wasn't the greatest. It was obviously the first game of the year, uh, a completely new team. You can't expect them to play like, you know, Joe Bonito or anything like that. But they... For uh, as far as the night, it was it was it was a clear cut success, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the turnout was was impressive, and not just in in terms of numbers, but uh, I know a lot of people who were talking about how uh, the Cosmos are a relic, they're a thing of the past, they're a dinosaur. All their fans are old now, and this and that. But guess what? <laughs> I went to that game, and people are acting like it was going to be like the cast of the Golden Girls filling out that stadium. Keep people walking was, up in stretched uh, wheelchairs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we had a lot of walkers and stuff. No, <laughs> that the stadium was packed with kids, packed with teenagers, packed with young 20-somethings. It, it, it was a young crowd. And, and I think the Cosmos, you got to give them credit. They've done a good job of kind of capturing the imagination of the young soccer fan in that area. And that's the thing. It's not, it's not all about the nostalgia. And, yes, they did bring out Pele and Carlos Alberto. That was cool. And, and that, that was great. And I thought having Giorgio Canalia's family was there was, was an excellent, excellent step uh, move by them. Um, but but it, it, it really is a, a new era, a new group of fans. And what I think people don't realize, especially people who don't live in the area, is that where they're playing, they're playing actually on Long Island, right? Uh, where they're playing, it is, if you might look at it on a map and think, oh, hey, that's not far from... Red Bull Arena. But let me tell you, folks, that is an absolute hike for someone in New Jersey or even someone in Manhattan. Um, it's, it's a hike. It's a hike. So there, you have a ton of soccer fans in that area who just don't come to Jersey, who just it's just too long a ride. There's no clear cut public transportation that'll, that makes it easy. So there I think there's you got a captive audience there. I think you have a lot of soccer fans who, if you give them a good product, will come out. And and I think the Cosmos are trying to do that. I think they put together a pretty good team, a team I think that's going to be fun to watch when, once they start getting rolling. They, they've added some players that, I mean, to this day, I'm kind of like, how did they do it, right? Uh, you know, for an NASL team, when you talk about Marco Senna, Iozzi. Because you have uh, because you have Pele shaking everyone's hands before the game. <laughs> well, that's why. That helps. But, but but again, you, you, those guys, uh, the 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 Italian striker Nozelli, who scored the winner for them. I mean, these are quality players. I mean, I watch them. I'm like, you know what? Those guys can play on on most, if not all, MLS teams. So uh, you know, if they do a good job of putting a, a solid product like that out, um, they're going to keep getting fans. They're going to keep filling that that stadium out, and and it's a modest beginning, but it's a strong and healthy beginning. And I think anyone expecting the Cosmos from day one 
to to try to to draw seventy thousand and, and do what they did in the heyday of the cosmos. That's just not realistic. You have to start small. You have to start kind of build something up. And again, they're working on their stadium plan. They have ambitions plan ambitious plans to get, put a stadium in Brooklyn. Uh, and if they do that, if they succeed on that front, then 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 who knows what what how far they can go with this? But I think it's a promising start, and, and it's going to be real interesting to see how they build that fan base up. They could be the twenty first MLS franchise. Uh, no, that's I, I don't I don't uh, I don't know if we're going to see three New York uh, MLS teams uh, anytime soon. I'm going to I'm going to save this show in five years from now, Ivis. When you know you and I are in our sweet Brooklyn studio, you know we can pull up. We could be like, Listen, you be like you Ivis, remember this five years ago? Hey, we hey, were so I, young then. I never. I'm not. I, I tell you what. If I learned anything in these last few days, <laughs> is to not say never. Okay, I learned my lesson from the Clint Dempsey thing. I'm not. I'm not saying never. I just don't see it happening soon. How about that? Okay, I'm not gonna say it's impossible for there to be three New York teams. I'm not even gonna. I'm not. I'm not. I learned my lesson. I, I, I trust me. I listened to episode 59. I listened to my my me say Dempsey to Seattle couldn't happen, or I just didn't see it happening. Uh, I don't see three New York teams happening anytime soon. But hey, who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe if MLS keeps growing and uh, it has 28 teams. We could have three New York teams, and I wouldn't argue, I wouldn't complain with that because I plan on staying in this general area. So if you want, if you want to give me three MLS teams to cover and have and have in close proximity, I am not going to argue that. Trust me. We've reached the end of the show. You know what that means? SBI Q and A as always before the show. I will send out a tweet, so pay attention, or you could just send questions in whenever actually with the hashtag SBI because we check all the questions. So hashtag SBI, send us questions, but try to do what we're doing the show because uh, we'll probably notice that more uh first question comes from david on a level of one to ten ten being corrupt how bad is this dempsey deal for mls transparency transparency excuse me and integrity uh i don't know if it's as bad as uh as my man portland padre uh thinks it is i think it it is a little tough when uh when the rule wasn't written anywhere and uh it's easy to it's easy to bash you know because you know you but Realistically speaking, I mean, when you look at it, they can, you know, they pointed to the Claudio Arena signing with the Red Bulls as an example of a, of a national team player not going through the allocation process. So there is a precedent. At least they've shown us one. Now the problem is this rule wasn't written anywhere where people could see it, and I think that it, I think that is an issue. As I stated earlier in the show, I think the league is at a point now where they really need to start writing these things down, uh, so people have a little better understanding and aren't completely blindsided by by you know uh decisions that are made and uh, i i can totally get why portland is upset and, and why their ownership and their their leadership and their fans are are feeling a little hard done by uh because you know not only did, did they have the top allocation spot and have and and realist and reasonably had a reasonable uh, uh belief that they they could they could you know get something for it um but then to have it be an arch rival uh, to benefit from it, that that's double double whammy there. So uh, uh, hopefully it brings about some change, and, and maybe we do get that 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 MLS rule book that no one's ever seen. Maybe we'll see that become a reality. Next question comes from Alex Brodsky. Uh, a lot of people ask this one, so I'll kind of do a two parter because someone else also included it. It's pretty much the question is what position is Dempsey going to play? And some other people asked, will he be more of a playmaker role in Seattle? Uh, I think when you t- if you have a healthy Eddie Johnson and Obafemi Martins. Uh, I think you can totally play Dempsey underneath. Um, if you play a four-four-two, and you play uh, Dempsey in front of Alonso, and you put uh, Evans and Rosales on either side, 
I think that works. I think that you know that that'd be pretty strong team. Um, but again, was uh, Martins has had his injury issues. Um, he hasn't been there for every game. He's taken he takes his knocks here and there. Um, so it's good to have some depth. But um, you can play Dempsey at forward. You can play him in, in that withdrawn role and that playmaker role. That's the great thing about him is that he is pretty versatile. Next question comes from Mike uh, Willie Ravel. Deuce in Seattle get Eddie Johnson? Well, should I'm sorry, Eddie Johnson get designated player tag and new contract? No, that's uh, uh, you don't you can't just because you know he plays well doesn't mean all of a sudden you rip up a contract that's an established contract and give someone an, an absurd pay raise. I mean, there's levels that you go to, and obviously he got to a point when they found. When they brought him, when he signed with the league, and, and this is what people have to remember now, when he signed with the league, he was forced to sign the contract that he signed, which is, uh, I believe it was $100,000 a year. The reason that he had that contract, the reason he signed that small a contract is because things didn't work out for him in uh, in Europe, in Mexico, with Puebla, the highly publicized thing where, where uh, the team put out uh, some misinformation about him failing physical. The, he was His options were limited. And prior to that, and I think people seem, seem to maybe have forgotten this, he had an offer on the table with MLS that MLS thought he had accepted. And that was a much better offer, a much better contract than the one he ended up with. And he reneged on that. Uh, and again, there's some questions about what actually went down, whether or not he actually reneged on that or whether uh, his agent at the time accepted it and, and didn't clear it with him. Uh, whatever the reason, he walked away from the negotiating table with MLS for a pretty good contract. And once you do that, you lose some leverage when you come back, uh, come back around and, and things aren't have didn't go your way. Because obviously, I, I, you know, I think the, I think what happened was he he thought he could get a better deal overseas or in Mexico. Uh, and then when he didn't, he had to come back. Come back to MLS and MLS. Obviously, if you're MLS, you're like, well, hey, we're not giving you the same offer we gave you before. You're going to have to take this and like it. And he had to settle for a weak deal. Does he deserve a raise? Absolutely, because he's been great for Seattle. He's he's been a a pretty consistent, reliable goal scorer, and has really become a fan favorite. From that standpoint, yes, he deserves a raise. If his salary is a hundred thousand a year, he should his next deal should be significantly more. Whether it's two fifty, whether it's three hundred, uh, I think that's uh, you know based on the history of contracts in MLS, that's realistic. But anyone expecting him to go. Uh, from a hundred thousand to a designated player uh, contract, I just don't think that's realistic. So, again, um, he can get a better contract, and if if he doesn't like what MLS is offering, there's always Europe, there's always overseas, and I think he's in a better position now than he was the last time he was available. So, um, anyone expecting him to get DP money, I just don't see it happening. And again, it can't happen because right now you have uh, Rosales, Obafemi Martins. Clint Dempsey, you have three DPs right now, so you'd have to get rid of one of them, and I just don't see that happening. Uh, next question comes from Simon Twaits, who also had a hashtag Garrett Rules. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Is that what you sure about that? I yeah, I, I didn't tell I you. You just made that up. No, I'm serious. It's right there. I didn't tell you about it. Also, Ivis chooses the question, so I have no, and I also didn't tell Ivis oh, that was going to be there. we work together. We pick them together. That was pretty smart on my end for not telling you. Uh, next uh, question is, Ivis, what was the biggest surprise result of this weekend's MLS games to you? Uh, I'd say, well, I think the Red Bulls winning in Kansas City. I think, uh, you know, they haven't been the best road team, and Kansas City is a pretty tough home team. And to see Kiss, to see Sporting KC give up three goals at home, uh, that was a bit surprising. And I know they were missing Graham Zusi, but I still, I still was still surprised to see them 
have that many defensive lapses the way they did. And again, they, I thought, you know, they had, they had plenty of the ball. They had plenty of the chances. They dominated the Red Bulls in certain areas. Uh, but the breakdowns uh, cost them. And that's a big win for for uh, for the Red Bulls. Uh, looking at uh, looking around the league at other other results that were as far as shockers go, none of, none of the others could really be. Toronto beating New England in New England is a little surprising, but I'd say the Red Bulls was the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, you'd also go DC Impact, but with the way Impact, Montreal, exactly, the same with the way they're playing, Montreal, you can't they, even count that either. Yeah, they've got two, four. They got one win in six games. Yeah. Right now. So they're, they're, and, and DC's, uh, DC's starting to wake up a little bit. Uh, next question comes from Greg Gomez. This is going to strike a nerve with you, Ivis. Why always hip hop? Question mark. <laughs> strike a nerve. Uh, I. It's just. Uh, it's just what I prefer. You know. I'm. A, I mean, I listen to a lot of different uh, music. Right. I listen to. I listen to a lot of. Uh, you listen to like. You listen to like Newfound Glory and like Fallout Boy. I don't even know what that is. And, I'm sorry, that like... sounds like a Civil War movie. Um, I uh, <laughs> I listen to hip. Everyone who's my hip-hop. age who listened to punk in middle school is gonna be like, "Oh, I remember that band." I listen to house music. I listen to Spanish music. I listen to reggaeton. Uh, I listen to and but I tell you what, hip hop and especially old school hip hop. That's just uh, it's just what I grew up on. And I think if, when you want to talk about intro music and setting the tone. For a show, I think good old school hip hop beats are are just a great tone setter. And again, it, and it's a way also to kind of expose our audience to to maybe music that they they haven't heard heard of before. Because I know we have a lot of young listeners, and and most of these songs that that I'm playing beats for are ten to twenty, or even ten to thirty years old, and and beats that maybe you hadn't heard of. And, and who knows, maybe maybe we're getting some, maybe we're converting some people into hip hop fans. Well, it's also important that the show ends on a very strong note, too. So the music on the end, Ivis, that's also as equally important, if not so, because it's more important how you finish than how you start. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I always turn it off uh, right before you put the music on. So that's, that's, that's not true, because the music comes <laughs> out when I'm talking. So, I, I, talk, well, catching I, you in again, the lie right I, there. I, thanks for making my point for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question comes from Rico Suave. Um, it's, uh, would MLS go with New York 3 as one of the four... New teams if the Cosmos are extremely successful on and off the field. Again, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. I think there's enough other markets out there, and I think when you have uh, NYCFC ready to come in, and you want to give them a, a real good opportunity to kind of plant their flag in the New York market uh I, I don't know if i don't know if that makes much sense to have another team that soon after uh in the same attempt to, to be in the same market uh could it be down the road possible again i'm not going to rule it out uh, it's a new era for me i'm, ne- I'm never going to say never again thanks to clint dempsey um I, I think there's just too many other markets that that could could do it that could, could handle an mls uh, uh franchise i think orlando I think we could see two, at least two teams in, in in Florida. I think we could see a team in Atlanta, whether uh, Carolina, Minneapolis. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many places. Um, there's just so many marks. St. Louis. I know. I know. There's the hardcore fans in St. Louis who've wanted a team for years. Um, I, I just think there's so many that I I, I just don't. Uh, I don't. I don't think the whole Cosmos and MLS thing is is realistic at this point. Could it happen? Uh, 10 years down the road? Possible. If MLS goes to 28 teams, starts putting some NFL-type size on the table, uh, sure, I could maybe see that. But for right now, I don't see that. There's hardcore fans in Phoenix that want a team, too. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
That's a tough one. You might want to move. <laughs> that will never happen ever in my lifetime. It's so sad. When soccer I mean, wasteland. Come on. You're moving to New York, buddy. You're moving to New York. We're, is, we're, we're going big time. When is that happening? When we, you mind, when the show goes big, I mean, we're, we're, we're going national. Come on, let's face it. Our show should be a, our show should be a national hit uh, before long. Yeah. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today, man. For the first time, I, I didn't go in a corner and cry after the show. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, I'm trying a kinder, <laughs> kinder, gentler approach. I, oh, I, know, man. There were some, I know some readers were were upset with uh, with how rough I was with uh, with Garrett. So uh, with young Garrett, everyone emphasized the, the kid, the young kid. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm the <laughs> I was bully. crying. I'm the, bully. I'm the bully now. So uh, I believe I firmly believe in not crossing the line. So I'm, I'm going to stop bullying. Uh, I'm going to stop bullying Garrett, and uh, we're going to have a kinder and gentler show. And- Actually, no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna be rough on him, but it's just this show. It, it, it was just a more positive vibe because this whole Clint Dempsey thing has us all still in a bit of a, a daze because none of us expected this to happen. Yes, in defense of Ivis, and I know some people were coming to support me. I appreciate that. It really surprised me. I figured that 95% of the show, everyone can't stand me. Um, but Ivis, after the show, even asked me to take those parts out, and I was like, no, 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 we'll keep them in there, man. It'll be good for the show. And I know some of you guys think. He's being mean to me. Trust me, he's not. I'd rather have tough love than him giving me a little pat on the back and giving me a trophy when I finished in 12th place. <laughs> you know what I'm hey, saying? We, right. Listen, folks, we bust each other's chops. Yes. We, we, have, we have fun. Uh, you know, we, we get along great. And, uh, and, and for those who've, 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 who've said we should shake things up, have new, new, new hosts, different hosts, listen, uh, we, we're the team now. Uh, we're the Batman and Robin. We're the uh, Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. We're we're just gonna keep it rolling. So uh, we're, it's uh, I think it's going pretty well. The audience keeps growing and uh, the numbers keep growing. And hopefully, uh, who knows, down the road we'll uh, we'll take this thing national and then put it on a bigger platform. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that can happen. Yes, I I hope so too. It's uh yes, it's always nice working with you, Ivis. Um, well, like I said, that wraps up the show today. Also, I, I I'm curious on this. Just this is a general thing because I'm just curious. I met someone who listened to our show, Ivis. It was really cool. Um, and he's like, I listen to the show when I mow my lawn. So I was like, dude, that's kind of like really random. I wonder if anyone listens to the show and you're doing something really random when listening to the show, put it in the comments and, and we'll ma- I'll mention it on the show the next time because I know Keep it's a it podcast. Clean, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be like, I listen to the show when, okay, one, we know you don't. And two, if you're doing that, you're stupid. You're just, you're just stupid. So yes, keep it clean. <laughs> keep PG. Keep it G. Keep it G. No, PG. PG's fine. Come on. Okay, yeah, or PG thirteen because like a PG thirteen is like maybe like you know not too oh, much. See, see, it's just yeah, you've already, you've already <laughs> you don't cross the line. Don't cross the line. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you if you have to think about it, don't write it. Yes. Well, Ivis, man, um, show's done, dude. Uh, I mean, anything else that we need to talk about? That we need to wrap up before we close uh, close out completely. I think we've talked about everything under the sun. I will say this: uh, we've got about. I don't know, two more shows, maybe three more shows before we go away on our hiatus. We will try oh, yes. to get you some guests in the next few shows. And uh, if any of uh, you know, for those of you listening, we will work on that. That's uh, I was kind of hoping to get someone today, but I think for the, you know, in these, in these next two days, we're going to line up a few uh, different guests and, uh, and try to have, you know, a handful of guests before we go away. Uh, for those of you who've missed it before, uh, we're going to take a break for a few weeks. Uh, we're both going to be away. We're both going to be out of the country, but we'll be back at the end of August. Uh, and we'll definitely be back in time to talk about the World Cup qualifiers in September. So uh, we won't leave you hanging for too long. Uh, but uh, just keep that in mind. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Ivis and I will be back again on Wednesday morning. We'll preview the U.S. Open Cup games. Ivis, get some sleep. I'll talk to you later, buddy. 
Yes, sir. And everyone else, thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. This is The SBI Show.